0: Like, my older brother, he was tapped. Like, tapped. Like, his mentality, his his work ethic, he was insane. And other people, the 99%, looked at that and said, well, that's wrong, and that's not right, and that's not normal. But, like, when you understand the drive and the level you get at, it's completely normal.
1: Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Derek Ward. Derek played college football at Amherst College, where he won three championships and ranked 22nd in the nation his junior year. Derek earned a degree in psychology after graduating and worked at CBRE, a Fortune 250 company. After six months of working for the company, Derek was offered a potential six-figure position at 22, but he turned it down. He quit and pursued his dream of owning a gym. Derek is incredibly passionate about helping youth and teens find purpose, set big goals, and live their life by design. Derek and I met through a mentorship program and immediately recognized that we had more in common than our first names. In the podcast, we talk about high-level athletics, leadership, business ownership, and the value of mentorship. Derek is an incredibly passionate person, and I'm really happy that you get to hear his message in its purest form throughout our conversation. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Welcome to the show. What's up, Derek? Batman. Let's go. It's the first time ever having another Derek on the show, man. And spelled the right way. Exactly. That's an important note and one that you and I recognized the first time we ever met. That's right. Uh, <laughs> last time I saw you, you were, uh, you were getting a haircut this morning.
0: Yeah, well, look, bro, last week's been crazy and I'm just kind of like the guy Our Core values get the job done. So when I knew we had a call, I needed to get a haircut. So I'm like, we'll just do the call, get the haircut.
1: We got it done. Got it done. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you jumping on with me. This has been something that you and I have both been trying to put together for a while, but we've both had uh, very busy schedules that have uh, conflicted with one, one another for quite some time, but I'm glad we're able to make it happen.
0: Same, man. I'm pumped to be here, dude. I've, I've listened to your podcast. I see your guests, so um, I'm a privilege and honor to be on here as a guest.
1: Cool. Let's get rolling. Um, where did your love for football come from?
0: That's actually a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. Where do my love from football come from? I, honestly, I have no idea. Actually, okay. So the story is, I was playing soccer. Uh, my bro- my older brother was a soccer player and a runner. My dad was a basketball player and a baseball player. So no one in our family played football. I was playing soccer at the time because my older brother was six years apart. He was playing soccer and he was a really good soccer player. And but I would always hit the kids. Like I, like you know, if I had the ball, I would I would hit him Or if I had the ball, I would like just. You know, try to target them and just get them out of the way. And then my dad one day was like, you need to play football. Um, So he just put me in football one day. And then I just loved the game of football. I just loved the hitting. I loved the pads. I just loved everything about football. I loved watching football. We're a football. You know, we love watching football. Uh, Cowboys Nation, since born and raised. Um, Let's go, baby. (laughs) The real team in the NFC East. But, um, so... Yeah, as I started playing, I just I just grew a love for it. And then it wasn't until probably my 7th or 8th grade year in middle school that I really fell in love with football, and I saw it as an opportunity to go play college. And I sunk every ounce of sweat, blood, and tears into maximizing uh, football from then on out. Like, I was the ki- 13-year-old kid running hills, you know, in 90-degree weather wearing a sweatsuit because I needed to make weight to play a skill position. Like, you know, um, I just loved it, man. And I have no regrets or no, uh, my dad made me like I made me, I loved it.
1: That's awesome. I want to peel that onion back a little bit. What was your first introduction into strength conditioning and, and speed training?
0: Not until I did a post grad year, um, of high school. So to backtrack when I was 12, my older brother was an all American. Okay. Um, one of the best runners in the nation. He was number, he was actually the 14th ranked runner in the nation. Uh, went to Duke on a full scholarship was Duke's first ever running scholarship. And so looking up to him, I saw the work, right, that, that went into being the, the best, not just being your best, but actually being top um, and his training regimen, and his discipline and him running 110 miles a week and him, you know, not really having a social life, but all the all the success that came with it. And I loved that. So when I was 12, 13, I'm like, well, I'm a different sport, so I guess I just got to go do push-ups every day and be in my basement gym with little 10-pound weights trying to build my biceps. And my dad was always into fitness, so he kind of guided me. So from 12, 13, 14, I was watching YouTube videos. Uh, the old spark, uh, Nike spark days, the speed, power, agility, reaction, quickness. And I just fell in love with the training aspect, but it was all self-taught, all YouTube. Um, and then it wasn't until probably 14, 15 that I was like getting the bodybuilding magazines and bodybuilding.com chest and back buys and tries, you know, legs and shoulders splits and did that all through high school. And then it wasn't until I graduated high school and did a post year at a boarding school here in Connecticut that I had a strength and conditioning coach who was really, really good, who actually trained us through a program—you know, chains and sleds and managing volume and intensity—and all my numbers just skyrocketed. And I'm like, wow, I've never been this strong, this fast, and felt this great before. Um, and that's when I was like, wow, like there's there's a there's a system to this. And then I went, when I went to college. Unfortunately, it went down because the program that we ran wasn't that great. So all my times went down, all my numbers went down. But, but that was my wake-up call of like, wow, there's a way to do this, and there's a good way and a bad way to do this. Um, so that's when I fell in love with the strength and conditioning aspect of things. But one thing I always loved and appreciated was, I lo- there was there's nothing else in life that you can do to force yourself to do something that sucks and that doesn't feel good and not get any immediate return and still choose to put yourself in that position. There's nothing else in earth that you can do that. And that's when I, I love the training because I'm like, there's nothing else I can do to physically feel like crap, to sacrifice all the luxuries of being able to eat what you want, do what you want, and not get any return for six months. And this is it. So that's what made me, what made me fall in love with the process.
1: Yeah, there's no way to fabricate those returns. You can't buy them. Nope you know what's funny is you mentioned uh, how you've gone through numerous programs for better and worse right you went through programs that you would consider good by your standards now and programs that you would consider bad and i think anybody that's been through sports through the majority of their life and is now finds themselves in some sort of a, sort of a strength and conditioning setting be it is a, a fitness enthusiast a coach or a gym owner would would agree with that statement and what i think is really interesting about working with youth is that to the layman, it's almost, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult for the average person to know whether a program is good or bad because kids and youth respond so well to anything. Like for yeah. instance, if, if you have a weak 10 year old or 11 year old, and I put you through you, you come to my gym and all I do is make you run 400 meter repeats your squat will increase, So it's like, you can basically throw whatever you want at kids, and it can look and sound as ridiculous as you want it to, and they will improve. It's not until you start getting into that high school level, and especially the college level, where more specialization comes in, and you can really start to tease apart the programs that are world-class from okay, from terrible. Yep,
0: yep, exactly.
1: What was your experience uh, playing at Amherst College? It was great,
0: man. Um, very, very liberal school, uh, so we won't go there. But uh, from a football standpoint, you know, we were three-time NESCAC champs. Um, we broke the single-season, um, you know, winning winning or we broke the uh, consecutive winning record. We won 19 games in a row from my fifth game of my uh, freshman year until the fifth game of my senior year. We didn't lose a game. Um, we were ranked number 22 in the nation my junior year. Um, so from a football standpoint, it was great. And that's where I really like really understood chemistry and what it takes for a team to succeed and, Mm. and really understanding like your team can make or break your success. And that goes to anything in life, right? Like we own gyms now. So I see my gym structure through what I understood on a college level. And I saw what it took to succeed. I saw that when I came in my freshman year, the chemistry between the freshman class and the senior class, it, it wasn't tight. There was there was some animosity. There was some the culture didn't fit as a whole. And then it wasn't until my uh, really my sophomore year, and my junior year, because the, the all four classes clicked that we were just, you know, we were run either running teams over or we were winning those field goal winning games. Those last minute two point conversion games. We were executing and coming out on top. Right. We didn't blow out every team, but it was like in the moments that that one play mattered most, that one decision mattered most. We got it done and that was because the team the entire team from top to bottom coaches to the, the kid who doesn't see daylight on the field everything was cohesive and so that gave me the learning experience and now as i do everything in life through a team standpoint or a business standpoint i see it through that lens of like hey i've been on winning winning teams and i've been on losing teams it all came down
1: to the team from top to bottom um so that gave me a lot of a lot of experience i definitely do want to talk about team culture and leadership a little bit later in the podcast. But one of the questions that I had for you is, you know, you, you talked about how you learned the appreciation for hard work and not just doing what was the best for, that you could give, but what was required in order to be the best. What are some of the other lessons that you picked up from coaches and potentially uh, teammates throughout your years in football?
0: Honestly, you know, if I'm being completely honest, a lot of it was intrinsic. Um, I'm the type of person that I try to surround myself around a lot of different people, and then kind of form my own opinions and kind of put my own uh, my own motivations behind my own actions. So, I mean, if I'm being quite honest, a lot of the a lot of the development and learning was self, just self uh, self taught and self initiated, just from what I saw from a distance of other people who were doing. Right, my brother. Um, or just people outside my sphere of influence and seeing what they did. Because I always look up to people that are at least 10 to 15 steps ahead of me or 10 to 15 years ahead of me. I've been like that ever since I was a kid. So I'm like, what is that kid doing? Or what is that person doing? Whether I even have a conversation with that person or not, what's the best doing? And I think that when it comes to being your best or being the best, I feel like we self-sabotage a lot because we try to surround ourselves by people who are only one to two degrees away from us or only one to two steps away from us. Why? Comfort. We don't want to really be around people who are 15, 20 steps because we get insecure, we get scared, and we think that, man, like this probably isn't the pool I I should be swimming in. And people self-sabotage themselves because, yeah, they want to be around people who are a couple steps ahead, but they don't want them to be too far ahead because they don't want that to touch on their insecurities. And I've been like that ever since I was a kid where, like, I want to be there. I want to be around those people who are 25 steps ahead because I want them to touch on my insecurities because I want to solve them. And I want to get to the bottom of them, and I want to heal them, and I want to grow from them. And so even coming through college, I was like, who are the best? Who are the D1 guys? Like, who, who's better than me, way better than me? And how can I get around them more to learn the process? Or who are the people that are you know 20 steps ahead of me in business, and how can I get myself around them to understand what they're doing? And it's, it's going to touch on a
1: lot of things that I'm not, but that's exactly where I want to be. Well, in speaking to the sports first, what are some of those major deficits that you, you came to find out were things that you needed to overcome?
0: Oh, man, you know, number one, just, just not working hard enough. Like, it sounds cliche, but when you really get around high level, high performers in the sports realm, like the amount of intentional work. Inside like the physical work, but all the other work is like it's insane, right? The film study, the uh, uh, the studying the other teams, uh, really breaking down your position on like on a minute level. Um, you know, the workouts and the attention to detail in the workouts, the waking up early, the studying the playbook when you don't feel like studying the playbook, like all the other aspects that people don't think about. Like, pure example, like a buddy of mine. Will Harris, you know, plays for the the Detroit Lions and just the level of detail that he puts into his craft and not just his physical craft and the workouts, but the film study and the showing up and the culture and the leadership, like it's bar to none, you know? And that was one thing that I learned, like coming in, especially as a freshman playing college ball was like, you know, here I am thinking I'm, you know, hot stuff and I'm going to play and this, that, and the other. And I come in and then guys are there bigger, stronger, faster, but they understand the plays more. They react better. Their intuition is, is uh, better. Like, they understand the game as a whole. That was like a big wake-up call for me of like, oh, wow, okay. I, don't, I actually don't know nothing. I, physically, I might be good, but I don't actually know the game. And that's where you see so many players and kids coming up through any sports. And they think, oh, I'm fast and I'm strong and I'm a good player. But then they don't realize, like, there's a whole other side of the game that you need to study and understand if you actually want to be a great player. And that's where they shoot themselves in the foot to not get to that level because they don't understand the amount of actual detail that goes into playing that sport and being on a championship winning team from top to bottom and being okay with understanding the role. And I would, get, I would say that's my second thing is understanding the roles. And that was a big thing that I didn't even really understand until a couple of years removed from sports that I'm like, man, I fought so hard to be the guy starting on my team but that wasn't my role. As much as everybody wants to like star and be the guy, you know, scoring touchdowns or you know, making plays and I did, you know, my junior senior year, but I was so focused on like that made or broke my experience that I, that that my real role was being the motivator and the inspirer and being the being the, the 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 role player on the team. The guy who's leading workouts, the guy who's pushing the leaders, the guy who's challenging the guys who are starting. And I wish, and I wish that I embraced more of that coming up through playing football, because I think I would have just enjoyed my experience way more. Um, mm. I almost quit football my junior year because I wasn't, I wasn't playing as much as I thought I should play, and that's a very immature and a very selfish thing. And I ended up not because I realized, okay, I'm being really immature and really selfish, but I mean, as a very competitive person who wants to be the one in those positions. It's hard to sit back and not play and then be okay with it. Um, and so I wish I would have embraced more of understanding, like, dude, that's not your role. As much as you want that to be your role, that's not your role. And you need to be okay with that not being your role.
1: Well, to be fair and to give yourself some credit, I can't say that I've ever met a humble, like, 16-year-old. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, you no, know what I no. mean? I feel like that's something that comes through experience. Like, that's that's wisdom that's that's earned over time. Yeah what's funny uh when you were talking about what it takes to be an athlete at the high level and how being around those people is just like such a, an eye-opening experience there was a coach that had a quote when he was talking about the the best competitors in the world and he said the best competitors in the world are broken he's like they they don't have an off switch yeah and so so it's like when you're trying to find ways to be like these people it's like you have to understand and appreciate the fact that like it is such a small percentage of people that even have the temperament to have that type of drive right there's a reason why there was one kobe and one jordan
0: yeah yep
1: yeah it's uh, uh i spent some time around some crossfit games athletes um amongst a whole slew of other athletes in different sports at high levels and like it truly is something to behold when you get a chance to be around somebody that gives every every ounce of their being to their craft and to the point where there's not a decision that they make that they don't filter through how is this going to affect my ability to ch- achieve x whatever that is winning the games right winning the super bowl w- getting to the light heavyweight belt in ufc it's crazy to be around those people because the balance doesn't fit into their vocabulary it's just not part of who they are
0: nope and you got to be a little tapped man like my older brother he was tapped like tapped like his mentality his his work ethic He was insane. And other people, the 99% looked at that and said, well, that's wrong and that's not right. And that's not normal. But like when you understand the drive and the level you're trying to get at, it's completely normal. You know, I was that same same way of like, man, like that kid's like he's doing too much and this, that and the other. And it's like, well, I'm a little tapped. I, i'm i don't, i don't think or operate the same way you know we train kids now here in my gym like a couple of them like they're just they're just different they're just a little crazy and even their parents are like well you know he's doing too much or she needs to take a day off and i go no they don't that's just how they operate it's just they're a little crazy and if you if you try to take them if you try to take that line and put them in a cage that's not gonna go well with them they need to be out there doing that like yeah rest and all that blah 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 but it's like Tell Kobe to rest. Tell MJ to rest. They're going to look at you and be like, you crazy? You know, Allen Iverson, practice? I'm talking about practice? Like, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that's not the norm. And so when you're around certain people like that, like, that's just kind of how I was too. It's like, you just you just tick a little different. And, and you know, you got to be able to embrace that. And, and I, th- I feel like embracing that version of yourself is something that... People need to understand more and also come to terms with because if you're not like that, like I talk to kids all the time and I'm like, is that truly what you want? Like, do you truly want to go division one? Like, do you truly want to put in that level of work? And if you do, great. Awesome. I want that for you. But like, be really honest with yourself, because I don't want you to have a negative experience trying to do something that you, you ultimately don't really want to do. Right. And that needs to be okay too, because just play your role and be happy and be content and learn the experiences that you should learn. You know, I'm mentoring a, a, a girl right now. She plays basketball. And I'm like, that's kind of where I'm getting at with her as much as she wants to be that person. I go, are you okay with just being a role player? Like, is that okay? Because role, role players win championships every year. You know, are you okay with being that person? Is that the person that you, you would be okay being? Because To be quite honest, I think that you are that person. And that's OK. It doesn't make you any less. It doesn't make you any worse than anybody else because you can still go win championships and have an amazing experience. And that's the, the role that you should be in. That's the role that you're going to that you're going to perform the best in. Because if you're trying to be something that you're not. You're not going to be able to perform at 100 percent of your natural ability. And for so many athletes, especially young athletes, that we ask, what's your dream? Everybody says NBA, NFL, you know, MLB, whatever. And I go, OK, great. Well, here's what's required. Are you willing to do all that? Oh, wow, it's a lot. Okay, so then I'm not telling you to diminish your dreams. I was that same kid, but, but go, if I could go back, knowing what I know now, I probably would have been a little more aligned to where I really should have been, and I would have been happier. I would have, been, I would have had more peace. I would have had more friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? Overall, my experience would have been better. I would have not been as depressed or as stressed or as anxious as I was, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I was trying to be someone to me that I really wasn't. And I didn't perform my best.
1: Yeah, and, well and that comes down to identity. Um, and and it's, that's something that's really hard for any teenager to really get a grasp on. And I think that that's where people like yourself or myself, being a mentor to those people can just be so transformative for them when they need it the most.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So let's p- take a pivot a little bit. So you finish school and finish playing football and you go into, uh, you go the route of finding the typical job that's secure, pays well, and you start climbing the ladder and then something changes and you decide, I don't want to do this anymore. Let's start there. What was oh, it man. for you that, that talked you into, uh, leaving kind of the, the corporate world to go your own route?
0: Yes. I mean, you know, prototypical mom dad blue collar work a job 401k yada 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 and so you know i thought that was the route that i should be in because that's everything that everybody did and i'm first generation you know my brother and i first people to go to college in our family so it was like you know we're already doing something great and so i'm like oh cool i'm gonna go in commercial real estate i'm gonna work in the city i'm gonna wear a suit and tie every day you know me and the watts, i have the gucci loafers like that's something i've always dreamed about And I do it for a month, do it for two months. Everything's cool. Uh, You know, the prototypical, you know, Wednesday happy hours and weekends, you know, go have drinks and, you know, the prototypical corporate model. And then um, I honestly got really depressed um, that winter of that year. This was 2017. I got really depressed. Um, I just I literally had no identity. Right. I looked at myself and I'm like, I'm no longer a football player. That was my identity. And I'm working a job that I don't really like. So I have no idea who I really am. And. Um, I started asking other people around in my office like that were a little older again, you know, 10, 15 years ahead. And every single person that I talked to was like, man, I wish I could do something else, man. I wish I could do something else. And I'm like, "Okay, something's off here. And so I was training kids on the side. You know, I played footballs, writing programs for people in my office because I was I was, you know, getting in shape and they saw me and I was still training kids on the side on weekends. And so I'm like, man, like, is there a business opportunity here? Like I do love training. I love coaching. Um, so I was doing that for a few months. And then honestly, the wake up for me, I'm a very spiritual person. So the wake up for me was like, what is my identity? Like, what's my purpose in life? And I had like a, a, an awakening. I was, I remember like standing in my bathroom, looking myself in the mirror. I'm like, who are you? Like, what is your purpose? Like, why are you here on earth? And it was, and the, the decision that I came to, the answer that I got back from myself was to coach other people, to lead other people, to being their best self and discovering who they are and being that inspirer and motivator for people. And in that moment, I realized like when I was 17, like that's what I was doing. I was coaching other kids. I was training kids on the football field. Parents were paying me money when I was 17, 18 years old to coach their kids. And that was like the wake up call. I'm like, man, I was doing this stuff six years ago. Why didn't I like keep doing it? Because I got sucked into the system. And so that was the light light bulb that went off. And then from there, I'm like, I'm out of shape. Like I'm drinking too much. Like I'm like, I'm like, just didn't like who I was. So I'm like, man, like this isn't the person I want to be. Got back in shape, started getting into bodybuilding. Interested enough, because I just wanted to get huge. Cause I'm like, man, I don't got to do 110s no more. I don't need to be in shape for football. I can just get huge, let's go. So did that. And um, I was at work one day, basically just staring at the computer screen. And I'm like not doing anything because I had finished my work for the day, and I still got four hours left. And I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm like I'm just done. I walked into my manager's office, and I, I was like, hey, can I talk to you real quick? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I think I'm gonna quit. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I think I'm gonna go like maybe be a trainer. You know, maybe open a gym one day. I don't know. And she's like, and and this was like the confirmation for me. this was the first confirmation. She was like, yeah, I could feel that coming. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, this is just isn't who you are. Like I've gotten to know you. Like you should be doing something like that. I'm like. Oh, okay, she's like, How much time do you need? I'm like, I need two months because my lease ends. She's like, Cool. So then I went and talked to an um, executive director, told him the same thing, and he goes, Dude, you should go do that. And I'm like, All right, if these people who I literally work for are telling me to go do this, and I need to go do this. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Let's go. Like, I'm about to go start a gym. I'm going some, going home that night. I call my dad, all hyped up. I'm like, Dad, this is what I'm gonna do. He's like, No. I'm like, What do you mean? <laughs> He's like, no, you need to work another year. Cause I'm like, I need my, I'm like, I might need to come back home, move in, like all that stuff. And he's like, no. He's like, I told you when you're 18, like that's it. Like you're on your own. I'm like, so I'm like, who would I call? Hey, mom, this is what I'm gonna do. I might need to come home. She's like, yeah, yeah, come home, come home. And I'm like, but dad said. And she's like, don't worry about it. I'll deal with him. I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'll figure it out. I don't want to get in the middle of y'all's mess. So then I call my brother. I'm like, yo, this is what I'm about to do. He's like, uh, D, D, I don't know if I would do that. So then I start getting the fear. I'm, I'm like, all right, but well, let me go. Let me keep calling people until <laughs> <like>, I get somebody. <laughs> and so I called a, a now mentor of mine. I told him. He's a big uh, executive, and this and the, the the circles the, the the circle of the story and how it's come into my life last year is actually crazy. I called him and I'm like, hey, Coop is his name. I'm like, Coop, this is what I'm gonna do. He's an executive vice president for commercial real estate, a real estate investment trust, like very very high level guy. I did an internship at his company last year, the year prior, and he's like, I think you should go do that. And I'm like, all right, that's all I needed. That next day, man, I'm starting to like get get things rolling. Long story short, that was the big wake up call, and uh, that was the start uh, of of the dream. We'll call it. It definitely wasn't a linear trajectory, but that's when I really started to discover who I was and and how I could operate the best that I could. Um, and kind of coming to that realization back in you know 2017. Now,
1: that's amazing, man. I dude, it's I'm like fully immersed in your story because like I. I love hearing that from people, like the origin story, like the the battles of, of dealing with fear and the doubts, doing it anyway, you know, having that moment of realization where you said, you know, had that, that like epiphany moment where you're like, okay, like I'm all in on this. That, that's dude, I live for that stuff. That's so awesome.
0: Yeah, dude. It's been a journey. To, to so take the me, least.
1: take me through the first couple years of gym ownership. So you launch, you get things rolling. Uh, how were those first few years? Terrible. terrible
0: like man everybody like likes to put entrepreneurs and kind of this dream on a pedestal like and that's kind of what my message is now is like it's not easy because not only are you fighting against the external pressures of society and the economy and sales and marketing all this other stuff you're you're really battling internally and i was 23 so here i am thinking i'm you know the best thing since sliced bread i'm over here too cocky thinking i'm about to start a business and you know 23 years old so i'm like training kids and telling people yeah i own a business and you know but behind the scenes i'm like playing video games six hours a day because i'm like well i don't have clients they, they'll they just come and i'm like well i'll just play video games all day and you know i'm going out with my friends and stuff and i'm like that was the first two two years of gym ownership it's like just being this immature 23 24 year old thinking i'm you know i'm hot because i own a gym and then kind of crap hit the fan where I'm getting ready to get engaged and I'm like, man, I got no systems. My business is like, I don't have a business. Like I'm losing money. Like I'm like I'm eating PB and J's and chicken and rice every day. And I'm just saying, you know, it'll come, it'll come. And, uh, the first two years, like I was, I wasn't reading books. I wasn't learning. I was just doing, and I thought that was good enough. If I if I post on Instagram and I, and, and and people know about me, you know, they'll come and I'll build a business. And then next thing you know, I'll just have a successful company. That was the first two years. And then when I got smacked in the face was when I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is way harder than I initially thought. And man, I should have been doing this since day one, but, uh, I'm here now. And at least, and at least, at least I learned.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, of course it would be great to have all the answers from day one. I mean, I think to myself now, like, if I were to start another business, you know, and I have started a subsequent second business, like it would take off 10 times faster than it took me to start the first one. But that's the game, right? Like yep. that's the point. Um, and it's the same way when you get into training, right? There's a reason why when you build a base as an athlete or as a fitness enthusiast, that as you start to onboard new training methodologies, programs, movement capacities, whatever, that you start to develop this affinity for being more coachable for being able to pick things up faster right for for appreciating the systems that need to be in place in order to be efficient right these things come by the way of just time under tension in your craft um and i you know you and i both went through this and it's just kind of the unfortunate trajectory that you have to go through in order to become successful
0: yeah, and there's just like this fake pride that comes with it and this, and, and this ego that comes with it. And that's the biggest detriment to anybody. In those first two years, I had a lot of pride and a lot of ego. You're looking back, I was a very prideful person. I had this high ego of thinking I could do it all on my own. And the, the real switch didn't happen until I, t- I, I took all that away and I'm, I just became extremely humble. And I'm like, man, I don't know anything. And not only do I not know anything, I don't even know what I don't know. And that switch came honestly with my wife when she came into the picture um, to really help me understand <laughs> understand that. And I fought it for a while and there was a lot of tension there. But ultimately I'm like, you're right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing and I need to have more faith in the process and I need to get around people I need to learn from. And that's where mentorship came in for me and and uh, when things really took off is I really started again separate, uh, surround myself around people who are 15, 20 steps ahead. And then I kind of got back aligned to where I was my whole life. And then I realized like, man, like I don't think, and I told my coaches this uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, I don't think anybody can truly reach their maximum genetic potential in life. If they don't have a mentor in their life, I, I, I don't think it's possible. I, if you don't have a sage or a mentor in your life, you will never truly reach your maximum genetic potential because I feel like that's how humans work. I feel like that's just how life works is that as you get older in life, you're always going to have someone that's there to lead and guide you and then they pass away and then you kind of take over all their wisdom and then you help the next person and it's like that's how I feel like the world is supposed to work but everybody's kind of on their silos and their islands and kind of closed up and, uh, and fighting and tension and there's no harmony in the process. So I just feel like that's natural to... How it should be, and like Jason Klepa said, you know, you know, I feel like the the leader's job is to climb up to the peak of the mountain and then throw a rope down and then lead up the next person. And that's just kind of how, when things started to turn around for me, and and I feel like when things
1: turn around for a lot of people, potentially, and for a lot of kids too, is when they find that person. Well, you know, you know the saying, man, like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yep. You know, and unfortunately, yep. sometimes you can take years of pride and ego and stubbornness. To get to a point where whether you hit a rock bottom or you come to a point where you realize that change and acceptance uh, for the need of having somebody that has been there, done that proven success time and time again is really the next best step forward.
0: Yeah, I want
1: to I want to tie in a little bit this idea of a team. And the benefits of it, because we spoke about this as it related to your experiences in the past with football, but obviously there's a huge carryover to building a team as as part of developing a staff. Right. And this is in part the systems and those sort of things that that you talked about. But let's talk specifically about how you've gone from being this one man band. Right. (laughs) All frustrated and stressed out to now being able to not just create a successful business for you, but great careers for people that you lead
0: yeah well let me preface by saying you know i've been through eight other staff members because either i had no hiring process so they weren't the right fit or i was just a crappy leader you know i, I, I just got god's, god's honest truth but now that we have five full-timers and getting ready to hire sixth full full-timer um in this industry and especially as coaches in very high Ticking, competitive individuals, again, going back to that ego, typically in this industry more than any, we believe that like no one can do it as good as us. And, and anybody who's, who understands is like, no one will do it as good as you. And that's, not, that's the point is you're not trying to find people to do it as good as you. You're, fine, you're trying to find people who can do the best they can do. And we got to stop comparing ourselves to these other people and say, well, I just don't trust that they'll program as good as me. Or I, won't tr- I can't trust that they'll be as good as me and sell as good as me or coach as good as me and so on and so forth. And I flip that on its head and I say, you know, there's, this, there's the common term that goes around that says, you know, if they, if they only can do 80% of what you can do, then that's good. I don't even like that. I say if they can do 100% of what they can do, then I think that's good. And it flips this mindset of like, maybe, the, maybe their purpose is to be there around you, and then you you as a coach and mentor to coach them to be the best that they can be. It's not, even, it's not about you. It's not even about them being a fraction of you. It's about them being the best version of themselves. And so once I really understood that component and I started to separate myself. That's when again, people started to appear naturally to me. I, the first three hires that I had, I didn't even, I wasn't even trying to hire, they just came to me. And then I'm like, wow, here's my potential head coach. Wow, here's my potential manager. Wow, here's my potential nutrition coach. And then every single hire after that pretty much came that same exact way because I understood, I understood what to look for. And it's like, you know, when you buy a car and you think no one else has the same car, and then you see all the cars around you, it's like, wow, when you understand that you need a certain type of person, they just start to appear around you. We just really understand and see that. And so when I flip the model to I want to find people who I can lead and mentor to, to find their highest purpose, that's when they started sh- uh, showing up. And I started to remove myself from the aspect of the system to let me help this person. Let me help this coach be the best version of themselves. It used to be coach to client. It used to be me to client. Now it's me to coach to client. And I try to, and now my goal is I'm, I'm trying to remove myself as quickly as possible from any of the tasks, not to abdicate and basically say figure it out, but to delegate and say here let me help you out, and then you figure it out. But I'm going to be here to help you find your purpose and mission, and even if that means you changing some things because it fits more of what you are aligned with, that's cool as long as it fits on under the umbrella of what we're trying to do. I'm okay with that, and that's kind of how we've been able to evolve. I mean. I've hired the last five full-timers in the last, you know, 14 months, you know?
1: Yeah. There's two things that come to mind here. The, The first thing being that it's not just about believing that you can be the best at everything, right? Which is, is a false statement, right? But it's also in recognizing that you don't actually want to be the best at everything. You want to be the best at the things that you like to do. Right, And, and th- to accept the fact that there are other people that love to do the things that you, may- that may be on your C or D list. And it's like, th- the fact that somebody else loves to do something and you don't, means they are going to naturally get better at it faster than you would ever get better at it. So why wouldn't you wanna hand it off? And the second piece to this, and, and I think this is true of, of any team, is that it's like, well, what if I train my employees or the other people on the team, however you wanna put it, and they get better than me and leave and go and do their own thing and it's like well on the flip side of that what if you don't train them and they stay right and now yeah. you have you have sub optimal people because you have an ego problem that you need to get over and this is something i mean you spoke to it this is something i absolutely had to get through um and it was uh it's a, it was a huge transformation
0: no i love that and i told you know i tell my coaches and even the guy I just interviewed i said i don't want employees who work for me i don't want yes men or people who just tell do what i say like i don't want that i want you to get i want you to get better than me i want you to potentially go open i want that for you but here's an opportunity called entrepreneurialism where i can help you in that process right let's you let let's let's leverage each other's skill sets and resources for me to help you now you have some buy-in and some equity in terms of what you're doing and you're tying your purpose to that because you know the truth everybody is afraid well if i get this person so good you know they're gonna they're gonna leave and go start their own gym or they're gonna leave and go start their own thing i find that happens more because they didn't get trained properly and they didn't have a position in your company more than they got better than you right because typically someone's leaving because they think that an opportunity is going to be better but if you do your absolute best to try to provide them the best opportunity then they're never going to want to leave because why would someone honestly why would someone want to leave you and start their own gym and go through all the stuff that they went through and learn that process and truly fall in love with that process and start from scratch versus quote unquote partnering with you. And I don't mean you have to give them equity or any of that type of stuff, but partner with you to go start their own thing and do their own thing, do it faster, do it with more leverage and do it with you as their advisor than doing it on their own. Why wouldn't they want that? Well, then people say, well, like, well, how would I do that? That's the question you need to answer. That's where all your time, effort, focus, and attention needs to be. I would love for my coaches to go do that type of stuff. But I'm going to be there right there with them. And I want that for them. But, but since I pr- even provided them the opportunity, they're way more sticky. Because then if that coach wants to go do something else, they're going to come to me first and say, hey, D, I have this, I have this opportunity or I have this thought idea. I'm going to say, all right, man, let's go do it together. You utilize your skill sets. I utilize my resources and skill sets. And we make it happen faster. And here's another thing. As we're doing that, let's hire someone else to take over your role. And then you train them. Win, win, win.
1: Yeah. And you can train them how to train them. Because that's a, exactly. a skill set in and of itself, man. It really exactly. is. And
0: that's how you really. And I, I, I think like this. Like, I want a massive company. I want 100 employees through my various companies. But I don't want it because I want to make a ton of money. I don't want it because I want to be on this pedestal. I don't care if anybody even knows who I am. I want it because I just feel like I've been tasked tasked with this purpose in life to build a platform for other people to jump off of. And I just want a massive platform to go to anybody that's associated to be able to jump off of and go, be, be successful faster with me than they would do on their, on their own and build a legacy for themselves. But that's not going to happen if I'm not there pushing that needle every single day. And as a leader and like what I saw from my coaches in college is like I'm trying to do everything that they're doing times 10. Because they got to ultimately, like, you know, a buddy of mine said this uh, a couple months ago in an Instagram post. He has, like, 120 employees or whatever at his marketing uh, company. And he's like, uh, the minute you stop growing as a leader, your best best performers are going to leave. The minute you stop growing as a leader or the minute that you stop trying to grow your company, your best performers are going to leave. Why? Because your best performers are like you and they want to keep growing. Right. And if you're not growing and you want to go do something else, you jump ship, then why would they stick around? So if you want to keep your best performers you got to do one or two things you got to either yourself keep growing as a leader and keep providing opportunity right for them or two, put them put them in a position to grow as leader grow in their opportunity and why would that person honestly like why would that person really want to go do it on their own versus do it with you the only the only reason that they would want to do it on their own versus doing it for you doing it with you is because either you're a bad leader or they don't align with the vision right like now, those are the only two two answers to that question. So you either got to make sure that your vision is being
1: communicated and aligning with them, or you're growing as a leader. And the yeah. performers
0: are going to want to be led by you.
1: That's great stuff, man. I mean, there's, there's wisdom in a lot of the things that you just talked about there. And I know someone's going to take something out of it. We'll absolutely clip it and put, throw it on our Instagram for you. Um, now, I, I do want to talk about, you've mentioned purpose quite a bit throughout our conversation here. And I know that recently you have focused a lot directly on speaking to youth and helping them find their own purpose and do things like set goals and develop this like unwavering belief in themselves. Why do you think that's so important for young kids?
0: The biggest epidemic that we have in this country isn't obesity, it's lack of identity. I feel like the thing that no one's talking about that everybody kind of knows because no one really truly understands it is the identity piece. And I feel like for youth, as we're going into this future of not having any identity, not knowing who you are and trying to be something that you're not, like through the metaverse and all that type of stuff, that's the real scare. And that's the thing that scares me and, and my kids and you know your, your, young, uh, your young daughter is like, they're going to be living in an age where there is no identity. And that's the scariest thing as we're going into this new age. And so I feel like people like, man, like more leaders or more people need to be talking about that purpose and identity more than anything else. And it ties into everything else, work, family, relationships, even fitness. We just had to talk about uh, me and my coaches about like nutrition and why some of our clients aren't aren't complying. And I was like, well, look, how are we approaching the coaching model? We can't just be all macro and habits and this, that, and this, that, and the other based. Does that person even think that they're worth those results? Does that person even think that their purpose and that their identity is to have those results? If that mom wants to lose fifty pounds, does she even think that she's worth it? Because I bet you, I bet you she's self sabotaging herself to not get the results because she doesn't even think that she deserves the results. Because she probably thinks that if she gets those results, she's not going to be able to sustain those results and she's going to put the weight on, right? And if what's better, not having the results, or, or sorry, what's 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 worse? Not having the results, or getting the results and then losing them. It's worse, right? French Montana said, "Would you would you rather uh, would you rather not have it at all, or, or would you rather get it and then lose it?" Right, and yeah. so that all comes down to identity and purpose. Is like, what's your why? What's the thing that's making you tick? Like like fitness, sports, nutrition, life, business, any of that. What's the what's the thing ticking really deep in your soul that's going to get you to make the hard, difficult decisions day after day after day after day? And and when you get off track, not if you get off track, when you get off track, what's going to be the thing that pulls you back on track as quickly as possible that you can get back on track in a week and not take you a month or it can take you three days and it take you three years. And that, again, all comes back to purpose and identity. And people need to align with that more because then they'll be happier because because let's put it this way. Society society now than any other time on earth is the most abundant resource wise has the most money has the most opportunities like we have the most access to information like where we are today versus 200 years ago like we are way better but we're more unhappy more depressed more obese more conflictual than ever before so how does that how does that happen well one of my main arguments was was is because i feel like there probably was a little more purpose and identity and meaning behind what people are doing for the past couple hundred years than what we're trying to do now
1: yeah i mean that's a fantastic point how do you relay that message in a way that the kids can receive it what i try to do with the kids that i sit down with is i try to get them
0: to understand themselves i mean coming up through through you know and maybe you can attest to this is like coming up through as kids you know the adults and the parents and the authorities in our life. They told us everything. They told us what we should probably be. They told us how the world worked. They told us like it was always do like for my dad, it was always do this or else do this. Cause I said, so do this because you're a kid do this because you don't pay the bills. So I was never afforded the opportunity ever to even figure out what it is I should do or, or even who it is. I was from a fundamental level. So what I try to do is I tell kids like I try to, I try to ask kids questions to get them to think about the answers and think about the why I want the kid to leave me kind of like oh like I'm kind of confused now good now go sit on that now go sit on that I had a kid a couple weeks ago he's 19 and I told him I'm like go to a like you like golf man yep yeah okay cool go to a golf course and just go sit on the bench for a couple hours take a take a piece of paper or a journal and I just want you to go think about life in the next 10 years and what would be your perfect day what would be your perfect life and just go sit and write that. He came back, he had this whole thing telling me about his marriage, telling me about his kids and like all this type of stuff. And he's 19 and I'm like, okay, now that we have that, let's keep fleshing it out. Let's keep understanding why you want that type of life. And then what would it take to get that? And so on and so forth. It's like what 14, 15, 16 year old kids are doing that. They have no idea where they're gonna be next year, but rather than parents and adults saying, well, they're just kids, let them just be kids. I say BS, no. They, they're humans, they need, they need to understand this because it's gonna be how they make all their decisions for the schools that they go to, for the jobs that they get, for the friends that they have. So these kids at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, they need to be having this conversation. They need to be trying to figure out what it is they wanna do in life and start to fail as much as they can and surround themselves with as much as possible to start to understand if that's actually what they wanna do or not. You know, 16 year old kid, why just go work at Walmart? Or why just go work at the local... You know, dick sporting goods. And then that's all you do. Go do that and then go be an apprentice in four or five other businesses and go learn. Like why is that all that you have to do? Because it's typical? But but what did you get from that? Right? You're in college, you're a freshman, you're a sophomore. Oh well I don't need an internship until junior year, so I just go back home and I work at the local restaurant. Okay, that's cool, but why not also go do be an apprentice for other businesses and go work for free and go see what they do? Why not go explore? I helped a, I helped a girl, man. Uh, she's 19 years old. She's a Division One lacrosse player. She did an internship at my gym last year because she wanted to learn the, the, the business side of the gym and also wanted to learn the coaching side. Because one of her dreams one day is to open a gym. Okay? So she's 18 at the time. And I go, okay. Uh, you want to learn, oh, learn how to open a gym? You're here. So why don't you come in on team meetings? Why don't you come in on as many business meetings that I'm having as possible? Why don't I kind of show you the back back end back, you know, the, the back end, behind the scenes type of work? And then why don't you go learn the coaching on the floor? So she did that for free for an entire summer. She was an intern. The next year she comes back home, she's like, "Coach, I need to train." I'm like, "Okay, cool. What are you doing for work?" "Oh, well, I'm working at this restaurant and this and that." And I go, "Why aren't you starting to open your gym?" She's like, "What do you mean?" I go, "You're a lacrosse player, right?" "Yep. You're a Division 1 lacrosse player, right?" "Yep." I go, "So why don't you run a lacrosse camp this summer?" She goes, "I could do that?" I go, "Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you go do that?" Did you not learn last year all the stuff behind the scenes as a business? Well, yeah. And didn't she learn how to program last year? Yeah. So why wouldn't she go do this? That next day, she came back with a flyer, a Canva template, all this <laughs> type of stuff. I helped her set the price. I helped her get everything going. She went and called the local YMCA to get field access and get a permit. She went and did all this type of stuff. Bro, she has six kids signed up for her youth, youth lacrosse camp and then two people that's going to do private sessions from her this summer. She's 19 years old. She's going to make like four or five grand. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, and it's like, doing it, that?
1: and it's not about the money, right? It's no. about the lessons and more importantly, the confidence that's going to come out of that. And, and more actually more importantly than that, the, the opportunities that come out of that. Like, I don't know how much, and you've spoken about this a little bit, but I, I know for me, there are so many times that moments, right, with, and, and experiences with certain clients or athletes or parents or people that I have met in the past, in some sort of a positive light has come back around to help me out in the future, or they have recommended someone or referred somebody or introduced me to somebody else that took my, my business or what it was I was working on into a whole new level. And I'm sure the same has happened to you.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always the, the, it's the law of, of giving back, right? It's like, it's like when you do that, it's going to be given back to you 10 times, and then you got to keep giving back. And then that's just how everything works, right? Yeah. Um, but for the kids, man, like my message to the kids are just take some time to think and reflect on what you want your life to be. Man, like I wasn't doing this. Like who's, who's doing this? And then we wonder why kids are more depressed and taking their life at a faster rate than ever before. Because, because they have no idea who it is they are, or what they want to do. And, and they're relying on everybody else to tell them what they are. But since there's so many options now, they get all this anxiety and all this just pressure on trying to figure out until one day they just snap. And so I try to challenge the kids to take, take a step back, sit down, think, reflect, and then get around other people, other adults to go actually learn about yourself and try to figure out who it is you want to be and then whatever that decision is embrace that and love that you don't need to be like everybody else even if you're the highest most competitive most competitive type a person in the world or you're someone who just wants to be behind the scenes let's get there and then embrace that fully and then find what role or what position or what thing it is you're, that you're doing that puts you in the best position to operate at your maximum capacity and I'm trying, I'm trying to get 14, 15, 16 year old kids to do that. And what I'm hoping is that in the next 10 years that they look back and they're like, wow. And, and I have a couple of kids now in college that are sophomore juniors that, you know, five years ago, I was kind of preaching this to them. And then they coming back and they're like, coach, thank you, man. Like everything you said was, was right. And like, I'm understanding what you're talking about now. And that's all I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that
1: they'll be happier and more fulfilled and more content in life than I was. So what's the, the mission? What's next for human upward performance? man,
0: uh, what's next is really putting my team in position to uh, do some really dope stuff. Uh, have a couple more facilities but I want, but I want my team to be able to run those facilities uh, be partnered with some local schools and colleges, but I want my team to be able to run that um, start a podcast, but I want my team to be able to run that so I just feel like my mission in, mission in life now is to to coach to coach my coaches and coach uh, the people that are in my infrastructure to to be the best that they can possibly be so what's next right now is is not just me going and doing things but it's i'm like how can i get my team to go do these
1: things and um it's
0: gonna be a lot of fun
1: i love it man well hey i can't tell you how much it means to me to have people like you in my circle so it's uh it's been an honor getting to know you become friends and uh you even let me (laughs) let me stay with you when my plane wouldn't take off out of austin so you, you gave me shelter at one point let's go dude yeah. I'm here
0: and I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. You're an you're an inspiration to me. Um
1: you're an inspiration to a lot of people, man. So just just keep going, man. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Well, hey, we'll get you on again. Absolutely. Thanks, D. If you feel like the gym is one big confusing and intimidating playground, a personalized coach from Hard Bat Athletics can work with you remotely to help match your goals to an actionable plan. You'll get workout videos and descriptions and have access to coaching calls to make adjustments when you need them. Let us take the guesswork out of your fitness and nutrition. Visit www.hardbatathletics.com to chat with a coach today.